Well, again, good morning, church. How are you? It is good to be back. I missed you guys last week. House and I got to get out and celebrate uh, an anniversary, but man, we missed you all. We're glad to be back together with you today. Thanks for the opportunity to be out. Hey, grab your Bibles, if you will. It's going to Acts chapter 4. Acts 4 is where we're going to be today. Let's continue our sermon series on prayer called Draw Near. Acts chapter 4, starting at verse 23, is where we'll be in just a moment. Acts chapter 4, verse 23, is where we're going to be in just a second. While you are turning there, uh, way back uh, in the last century, in 1990, I went to my very first rock concert. Uh, I had been to uh, some other concerts before in my life, small venues, but I, this is my very first like arena rock show. I came all the way up here from Montgomery, came up to Birmingham uh, to see Phil Collins play in the BJCC arena. Did anybody go to this show? Anybody? Anybody? You were there. How amazing. We're going to talk later. All right, so... This was fun, right? So we came up to see it. I had never been in a place this packed with people. There was probably, I don't know, 16, 17,000 people uh, in attendance. And whether you're a Phil Collins fan or not, I'm sure you're familiar with a few of his songs. But one of those songs is just really iconic because in the middle of it, there exists uh, probably one of the most famous drum fills in all of history. It comes in a song called In the Air Tonight. You know what I'm talking about? Even if you don't know Phil Collins, you probably already know this. Some of you are already doing it. Uh, and if you don't, you'll know it now because it sounds like this. That one. You know what I'm talking about? It's that drum fill, right? And so you've, you've heard this song. And look, we all like the song. We were very excited for it. We were ready for it. But I was not prepared for what happened in this concert. So there we are. We're all there. We're enjoying the song. Well, well, Phil Collins is a drummer, right? He doesn't just sing. He's the drummer. So while he's singing the song, he's kind of walking up behind the drum kit. And then right before this famous drum fill, he drops down into the drum kit, grabs his, his, his drumsticks, and he does the famous drum fill. And as he does so, 18,000 people all do air drums in unison. I did not expect this. I was doing it too. I didn't know because you're sitting there. I saw some of you do it. When you came on, you're going, do, 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 do. No one told us to do this. We did not practice. It was like a subconscious flash mob just erupted in the middle of the concert. We all just had this moment where we all were kind of caught up in it. We, we all did this thing in unison. I have never seen anything like it ever since. It was powerful. And look, I've listened to the song multiple times since then. I enjoy the song, but man, there was nothing like being in that room with all of those people and recognizing, man, there was this experience that we had all together. There was a, a connection, an understanding. There was a thing that we all just kind of responded to in unison, whether we had planned to or or not, it was, it was an incredible moment that I still remember. I mean, goodness, I'm 30 years later after the concert. Uh, look, we need those communal moments. We need them. And they're actually more important than you think. For the past few weeks, we have been in a new series called Draw Near. James is telling us if we draw near to God, then God gives us this promise. He will draw near to us. And so we're not just learning about prayer. The challenge for us is that we would actually pray that we would draw near to God and that he would draw near to us in response. A couple of weeks ago, we looked at the Lord's prayer, this model prayer that the Lord gives to us to say, it's not even just these exact words, but, but pray in a manner like this. And 
Hopefully we've been doing that. Maybe even use the Lord's Prayer as almost like a, a kickstart to get you rolling. Last week, Clay taught us about praying through the gospel. What does it mean to pray the gospel into other people's lives? To pray for the gospel to be developed and revealed in each of us. Hopefully you've been texting one another and helping one another and how you've been praying for one another this week. But as we continue to draw near, we need to recognize that one of the aspects of this is not simply something that we do as individuals, but something that we do corporately. When we draw near, that is actually something that God wants. He wants for us collectively to draw near to him. And that requires not just individual prayers, but also corporate prayers. When we pray Together, sometimes in small groups of two or three or ten, maybe like in a, a small Bible study, a community group, uh, small gatherings, or even like what we do here. We've done it multiple times today where we pray as the people of God. We are called to draw near to him. And listen, we need that. We are in a season of restoration We're asking God to do a renewal in us, to take us through a season of renewal. We need both restoration and transformation in us. We can't do that. Time itself doesn't do that. The Holy Spirit does that. So we're asking the Lord to bring this renewal. And one of the ways that that's going to occur is through corporate prayer. And I want to show you that in the text today. That's why we find ourselves in Acts chapter 4, verse 23. Let me give you the setup of where we're at. We are just a little bit past Pentecost. Jesus has been resurrected, ascended back to the Father. The Holy Spirit has fallen at Pentecost. The apostles were filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter preaches this sermon. 3,000 people get saved. More are being added to their number day by day. But a little while while after that, Peter and John are going to the temple and they heal a man. This is impromptu. They had not planned on it. But they heal this man and everybody gathers around. Peter continues to preach. More people are being saved. The religious leaders don't like it. So they arrest Peter and John, let them languish in prison for a night. And then the next morning they threaten them and say, hey, you guys got to quit. No more of this Jesus stuff. Stop preaching in the name of Jesus. They're like, well, we're not going to do that. Uh, But they get threatened a ton and then they get released. And that's where we pick up the story. Acts chapter four, starting in verse 23. Listen to what the scripture says. It says, and when they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and his, against his anointed. For truly in this city, they were gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed... The place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. This is the word of the Lord. Let's give thanks to God. There's a lot in this passage. And I I wonder what it would have been like to be in that room. To be in the middle of that experience. But I want you to note some things right off the bat. First off, notice that the very first reaction that these people have when they hear the threats of the religious leaders is to pray. 
It's the first thing they do. Peter and John come back. There's no C-SPAN that they watched this thing on while it was unfolding. They had to get the story from Peter and John. They said, well, here's what they said. Their first reaction is not to fret about it or to talk about it or to, to, to make a plan or to, to try to figure it out. Their very first reaction is to pray. Why? Why would their first reaction be to pray above all things? Because listen, they're not going to stop. It doesn't matter what those guys say. They had experienced salvation in Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit now lives in them. They have been saved from their sins, saved from death. They have eternal life in the Lord. And this is open to anybody who would put their faith in Jesus Christ. It does not matter what anybody says. We serve a God who is greater than anybody who can threaten us. And so instead of talking to themselves or talking about it, they turned to the Lord who had done this in them. Their very first reaction was to pray. Is it ours? When we find ourselves in, a, in the midst of a crisis, a problem, something comes up, is our first reaction to pray. Because if we also have received the Lord, we also know salvation is our first reaction to say, God, only you can really walk us through this. We choose to pray. It was our very first reaction. Here's the second thing, though. I hope you notice this. All of them are praying. Did you catch that? Look at verse 24. Notice what it says here. It says, and when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God. So in the midst of this prayer meeting, they're all praying. Who are the they that are referenced in verse 24? Well, it's not Peter and John. Peter and John are the one who came back and brought the report. So they are the ones who heard it. They then pray. So the main people praying are not just Peter and John, it's everybody. Everyone is participating in the prayer service. Now, I don't know about you, but if I showed up to a prayer group and Peter was in attendance, I'm going to defer to him. I'm going to let him pray, right? I mean, look, he's been with Jesus. He just healed a guy for crying out loud. Uh, I mean, he's done miracles. If that guy's there, I'm going, hey man, you, you got it. You're good. You're good. I'm, I'm just glad to be here. Okay, it's fine. You take the lead, man. If you're in attendance, Peter gets to do the praying. John too, son of thunder, man. I mean, just, he's, he's amazing. Let those guys pray. No, 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 no. These guys didn't just defer to the apostles. They all prayed. They were all saved. They all got in on the act. They prayed together. They lifted their voices, plural, together. Look down at verse 31. You see the same thing. It wasn't like they prayed a little bit. Oh, and then Peter got up and prayed. No, verse 31, and when they had prayed, all of them, when they all had prayed, that's how this whole thing went out. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean they all prayed at the same time? Does that mean they prayed in sequence? I don't know. I think both of those things would be appropriate. What we do know, though, is that everyone was praying. And this is actually a pattern that you see all throughout Acts. Uh, we can walk through the entire book. Well, let me show you a few of these. Check this out. Uh, this first one is Acts chapter 4, I believe. No, Acts 12. Acts 12, 5 says this. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer was made to him, uh, made uh, to God by the church. For him was made to God by the church. So when Peter gets in prison again, that seems to happen a lot, uh, the whole church gets together and the church starts to pray. Go to the next one. Here's 12, 12. When Peter realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. A couple interesting things there. They're in a house, all right? So this isn't a thousand people. It's also not two people. This is a group of people gathered in some sort of home and they're all praying together. 
All right? This is what they did when they had problems. They would pray together. Go to the next one. Later on, this is Acts chapter 20, verse, starting in verse 36. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. That's Paul. And there was much weeping on the part of all, and they embraced Paul and kissed him. All right, Paul is leaving them after a long time. And look what they do. They all prayed. They didn't just defer to Paul. Everybody is praying. And go to the next one. Here's Acts 21, starting in verse 5. When our days there were ended, we departed and went on our journey. And they all, with wives and children, accompanied us until we were outside the city. And kneeling down on the beach, we prayed and said farewell to one another. Then we went on board the ship and they returned home. All right, so look, there's more. We could go on and on about this. This seems to be the consistent pattern throughout the New Testament. I hope you noticed these are all happening in different cities. It's happening in Tyre. It's happening in Antioch. It's happening in Jerusalem. It's happening in other places. No matter what city they're in, this seems to be the consistent pattern of the early church is that they would all gather together and that they all would pray. Notice wives and children are mentioned here. We got Paul and Peter. That means Jews and Gentiles are getting in on the act. People of all ages, apostles, non-apostles. This is not just the spiritual elite who are praying. Everyone is praying. And so what we see is that the, the testimony of the early church is that they were constantly involved in different forms of corporate prayer. They prayed together. But here's the third thing. Look down at verse 31 and you'll see something really interesting. It says, and when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. So here's the reaction to their prayer gathering. After they were done praying, not while it was happening, but after it was done, when the final amen is said and they're getting ready to go, God literally shakes the whole place. The walls in which they were kind of ensconced in began to shake around them. And then it says that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. God literally responds in real time to their prayers and fills them with the Holy Spirit. Now, what does that mean? Well, it means a couple of things. We actually looked at this a few months ago. Who is in attendance? Well, we already know Peter and John are in attendance and other people, probably some of the other apostles as well, we can assume. He said, well, I thought they were already filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, they were. They were indwelled with the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. So this isn't some form of second blessing. This is them being filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, when you and I become Christians, when you and I surrender our lives to the Lord, when Kay gave her life to the Lord just a few weeks ago, guess what? The Holy Spirit comes to live in us. And he does not come and go like he did in the Old Testament. He does not just come in for brief periods of time. No, he comes in and sets up camp. He lives inside of us. We are sealed in the Holy Spirit. And so if you are a believer, you are indwelled by the Holy Spirit from the time that you surrender your life to Christ. But it is possible to lose the filling of the Holy Spirit. That over time, though he is here, our experience of him, our reliance upon him can wane, it can dissipate. So what are we seeing here? For people who are already indwelt by the Spirit, the Lord is filling them. This is a fresh filling. This is a fresh renewal of himself, of his power. And for what purpose? Well, they had just prayed. They said, God, give us boldness to speak your word. Give us boldness to share the gospel that more people might get saved. Jesus says, done. And the Holy Spirit fills them anew. He doesn't say, that sounds like a good idea. I'll pray for you. 
That's like sounds like a good thing to do. You guys go after it. He says, no, I will empower you to do that very thing through the Holy Spirit who lives in you. They got a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. But this was, in this instance, reserved to the people who had come to the prayer meeting. We've got no indication that this was to every single believer in Jerusalem at the time. It was for those people who had gathered together. They prayed together and God filled them anew. And look, this is not some emotional high. Okay, you can get an emotional high anywhere, all right? You can have an emotional flush. I got an emotional flush at the concert, all right? That was great. You can get an emotional flush at a football game. That's fine. That's not what we're talking about when you see the filling of the Holy Spirit. This is a supernatural empowering by the Spirit of God to do things that we would not be able to accomplish on our own, like speak the gospel with the, the right words at the right time that God's power would move in ways that we cannot affect in other people. All right, listen, that is what is happening in this passage, but it's for people who are there. For those who had gathered together and says, no, I, I want to join together with the people of God. And together we're going to ask, and God responds supernaturally. This is possible for us. That's not just first century. That's not just New Testament. The Holy Spirit lives in you, believer. If you're not a believer in Christ and you're just trying to follow Christ on your own and you're just trying to do this by yourself, you think that by your own effort you can do this, I imagine that a couple of things are happening in your life. You're A, exhausted, and B, miserable. Because it's impossible to follow Christ in our own power. But when we surrender our lives to the Lord and the Holy Spirit comes to live in us and I trust him, he can fill us to do those very things. Listen, he's still filling us. Man, we need that fresh filling of the Lord, do we not? We need that renewal that comes not through our effort, but comes through the Holy Spirit. One of the avenues of that filling is corporate prayer. We gather together and we pray as one. We need it. And look, that's usually the place where some of us just kind of get off the train. And we go, listen, that sounds awesome. It really does, kind of. I'm a little bit nervous about that. Uh, but, but look, I just don't know if I'm up for like praying with other people. I don't like to talk in public. I don't want to say things. And so, you know what? You extroverts enjoy. That sounds like great for y'all. But the rest of us are just going to pray privately by ourselves on our own time. And we're good, right? The problem is this is not a personality thing. This is not just for a few of us kind of thing. This is not just for people who like to talk in public he said, no, this is, this is for everybody. We need this. Because you see, when you and I neglect corporate prayer, whether that be with, with the entire church, with, with, your, with your spouse, with your family, with a, a couple brothers and sisters, with your community group, with a, a small Bible study, an accountability group, when you and I neglect corporate prayer, we miss out. Bad things begin to happen for us. What, what happens when you and I miss out on what's going on? Well, a couple of things. First off, we miss the big picture. When you and I don't pray with other people, we miss the bigger picture. See, we all pray by ourselves. We all have uh, our individual relationship with the Lord. But if that's all we have, if that's the only thing we have, it's very possible for us to get misguided. It's very possible for us to get off track. No one of us is perfect. No one of us perfectly understands who the Lord is and what he's doing in our life. And if we're not careful, we will find ourselves kind of self-deceived. We will get off the mark. You ever seen somebody who just decided one day, said, you know what? God just told me I don't need the church anymore. God told me I'm fine. 
He said, I don't need organized religion. I don't need those things. I'm fine all by my own. God told me I don't need the church. Newsflash, no, he didn't. He said, well, how are you? Who are you to say what God said to that person? I know God didn't say that to that person. Why? Because the Bible says we need one another. That I am not built to be spiritually self-sufficient. That we are all body parts meant to be put together. And God says, you need your brothers and sisters in Christ. Listen, nobody gets to be out on their own. And when you and I just only pray by ourselves, it's possible that we miss things. We miss the big picture. We can get deceived if we're not careful. But when you pray with other people, you have a check on that. You begin to wake up to new things that maybe you didn't see because you didn't see it that way. You need that experience of praying with one another. Without corporate prayer, we miss the big picture. Here's the second thing. Without corporate prayer, we miss what God is doing in other people's lives. We miss what God is doing in other people's lives. We often pray about what God is doing in our life, but what about in other people's lives? Look at this in Acts chapter 13. Check this out. Acts chapter 13, starting in verse 2. Uh, it's going to say this. Do we have, there we go. Uh, it says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. All right, here, so you've got Paul and Barnabas there with the other believers. They're praying and worshiping. And then God does something interesting. He tells everybody, set apart Paul and Barnabas for me because I'm going to send them on a missionary journey. That's great, but why not just tell Paul and Barnabas? Like, they're the ones going. So it makes sense that God would tell them. Why would God say to everyone, no, 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 I want you to set apart for me Paul and Barnabas to go off on this missionary journey. They didn't need that. They could have just been obedient on their own. Why would God involve everybody here? Well, now they get to participate in the missionary journey. Even though they're not going, even though they won't leave town They now get to be a part. They were a part of this experience where God said, no, for for leaders in this church, I want you to send them out to go do this thing. Well, now, even though the the rest of the people aren't going, they get to pray. They get to support. They're eagerly awaiting those those news reports back from Paul and Barnabas over the next couple years of, of, hey, what churches were were formed? What is God doing? What, What new things happen? And they all get to experience that together. And so it's not just about what God's doing in me. Sometimes he's going to use other people so that we're all involved in this together. Well, that doesn't happen unless you're involved in, in corporate worship and prayer. Look, I've seen this in my life. Many of you guys know Alice and I have been going to Romania for the past few years. Uh, we partner with the Richard Wormbrand Christian School in Romania. We've been over there multiple times. But I remember the very first time that Christy Lukacci, the headmaster, came here. It was the first time I had met him. Uh, and I did an interview up here on the platform. I thought it went fine, but I did not sense anything just like completely, totally different than any other Sunday. I get home and Allison tells me, hey, we need to go to Romania. I'm like, Romania where? I still don't know if I can tell you where it is on a map. And she said, I think we need to go to Romania. Hey, there's a meeting. Let's go to the meeting. Okay. I show up at a meeting and next thing I know, I'm going to Romania. And over the course of the next couple of years, man, the Lord has turned my heart as well. These have become true, deep friends of ours. We pray for that. We had folks from that school here this past Wednesday night. They were just in the States and wanted to be here because of the connection that we have with them as a church. But God began that not with me, but with Allison. He confirmed it with me too, but but listen, sometimes when you're in the midst of corporate prayer, man, God's going to speak to you, not just to you, but to your brothers and sisters so that we all get to be a part of it. It's not just about us. We need to see what God is doing 
everywhere. Here's the third thing. If you're not in the midst of corporate prayer, you might miss the answer. You might miss the answer. Look at this in Acts 12, 12. Uh, We read this a second ago, but Peter had been arrested again and the people were praying for his release and God sends an angel to release him immediately. So what does Peter do? Well, when he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. Imagine being part of that prayer service. Dear Lord, please, please, would you save Peter so he doesn't die? Knock, knock, knock. I don't know who that is. Jesus, please help him. God, please, could you do something? Knock, knock, knock. He literally has to do this two, three times. They won't believe him. They think he's dead and it's a ghost. But God answers their prayer. Imagine that kind of prayer meeting where you're praying and God does an immediate answer right there in front of you. Man, if you're not involved with praying for other people, praying with other people, you're going to miss out on all this activity that God is doing. All these answers that might not directly impact you personally, but they impact you through the church. You're going to miss what God is doing around you if we're not actually praying with one another. You don't want to miss the answer. And then you also might miss the growth. You might miss the growth that you can have when you pray with other people. Look at this prayer in Acts chapter 4. We're going to look at it more in just a second. But it says, Sovereign Lord who made the heavens and the earth. There's a, there's a scripture quotation in the middle of it. This is a good prayer. Question, do our prayers sound like that? And for some of us, you might go, no. Um, I, I wish they did. But, but Adam, asked, when I just pray kind of spontaneously, that's, that's not the kind of prayer that comes out. Man, how, how do you get to be somebody where this is just kind of like the normal thing that naturally comes out of me? Well, you're going to learn that when you hear other people pray. You might not learn that from a book. You might not learn that just through hearing a sermon. But when you sit and you hear other saints, other brothers and sisters, other mothers and fathers in the faith, when you hear people who've been walking with the Lord for 20, 30 years, lifting up prayers to God, you not only get to participate, you are learning how to pray. You learn by watching their example. You get to experience that and go, Oh, wow, listen to that. And it begins to teach you. You grow in the midst of it. Furthermore, man, when you pray with other people, you begin to see things about God that you could never see on your own. You ever notice that? You know what kind of prayer you would lift up, and then somebody prays something, you go, wow, I, wow, I had not thought about that. Or wow, they just praise something about the Lord I had not thought about in a while. You begin to see the Lord through their eyes for just a second, and it's a new facet of glory, a new facet of, of beauty that you had just not seen. That wasn't your natural place that you look, but because you're praying with a brother or sister, you learn more about the Lord than you would have just praying by yourself. C.S. Lewis actually says this uh, when talking about friendship. He said, you can't really get to know somebody unless you know them in relationship with a group. Because you can know somebody individually, but when you see that person in multiple contexts, those people will bring out different parts of them that you won't. And so when you you are involved in a group of friends, you kind of see all the different facets. You can appreciate that person even more. It's the same with the Lord. Man, as we interact with our brothers and sisters in Christ... And they show us things about the Lord that God has taught them that maybe he hasn't taught us yet. And we get to experience that joy and that glory. Listen, these are the things that can happen in the midst of corporate prayer. And again, it doesn't matter the number that you have or what format you use. But when we pray out loud with one another. And so corporate prayer is helpful. But still, you might say, okay, but how does that work? 
Like, what does that look like? What am I supposed to do? How many people is it? How often do you have to do it? Does everybody have to pray? Do I have to pray a certain amount of time? Do I have to pray not enough times? Can you only pray twice if you go around the circle? Do you have to go in a circle? What if you're in a square? I mean, what if somebody skips somebody? I mean, you have all these questions that kind of come up. Of like, yeah, but how does that play out? Like, what is it supposed to look like? And look, there is no rule book really for that. There's no one right way of doing this. But there are some guidelines. There are some things that I would encourage us to do as we try to do this, as we seek to pray with one another in lots of different contexts. Let me just give you a few today. First one is this. Don't spectate, participate. Don't spectate, participate. When it comes to a prayer time and a Bible study, when it comes to a prayer time where you're gathered together, don't just sit there and wait for it to be over. Don't just spectate in what is happening in front of you. Participate. Be a part of it. Recognize that it's not just that other person's prayer. Maybe they, you would say that they pray better than you, whatever that means. Listen, it's not just about their prayer. All of our participation matters. We are supposed to pray. Do you remember the Lord's Prayer from a couple weeks ago? What are the first two words? Our Father. We talked about Father a couple weeks ago. Look at the very first word. Our. It's our Father who art in heaven. Forgive us our trespasses. Give us our daily bread. The very first word reminds us that all of our prayers, our participation is important. Don't just pawn that off on, on somebody else, on the leaders or somebody else. Well, you guys pray. I'm just glad to be here, but you guys do it. I'm just going to sit quietly and, and wait. That's just spectating. God wants you to participate. Be involved. Listen, you see this when we send out our, our email prayer request. We, we send you guys prayer requests. If you're on our email list, we send these out multiple times a week. There's always folks in crisis and we send these out. How do we react to those? Because look, sometimes you know the people's names. A lot of times you might not. Okay, well, do we just take that as a news bulletin? Man, I hate to hear that. Or do we take that as a call to say, hey, right now, I want to join together with the people of God and pray for this person. Even if just for a few seconds, Lord, I want to lift up this prayer. Guys, I cannot tell you how encouraging it is to folks in crisis when I say, hey, we're sending a, a prayer request email out. We're going to get hundreds of your brothers and sisters praying for you. They don't just need the leaders, man. They need us to pray. So don't just spectate, participate in what is happening. Here's the second thing. Pray even when you're not praying. Pray even when you're not praying. What does that mean? Even if you're not the one praying out loud in a corporate context, you can still pray. Just because you're not saying words out loud doesn't mean that you are just sitting there and waiting your turn. It's not like, hey, we're just going to sit here and just evaluate everybody's prayer. They got a seven. They got a nine. They got a four. They should stop. All right, look, <laughs> we're not just evaluating everybody's prayer. We are praying. And so listen, just because somebody else is praying, we can join in, not by verbally saying something, but just by saying with our spirit, I agree. I, yes, Lord, I agree with my brother. I agree with my sister. Lord, I am still praying. Even if somebody else might be lifting up a prayer verbally, I can still be lifting up my heart. I can pray add-on prayers in, in my heart. I'm participating in what's going on. This is kind of what happens in worship when people amen. Uh, some of you guys do this. Some of you, I guess, feel for real, real weird about it. Who grew up in a, in a tradition where amens happen a lot? Anybody? Yes? Good for you. Here's the thing. What is happening when people amen? If that freaks you out, here's what's happening. Listen, when you come to a service, the goal even in worship is not that we would spectate, but that we would participate. That we wouldn't just hear something and evaluate, but that we would be a part of what God is doing. And so sometimes when people are hearing the worship or hearing the sermon and they go, wait, God is speaking to me through that. I, I hear what he's saying. Amen. And I want to say that out loud. It's kind of a, a sign to say I'm participating in what has happened. God is moving in me. He's showing me that I agree with that. It's a, it's, 
it's recognizing that we're not just here to watch something happen on a platform, but that we are doing this together. And so the same thing happens in prayer. When somebody else is praying, be praying right along with them. Agree, jump in. Man, just be a part of what is going on. So you can pray even when you're not praying. Here's a third thing. We need to focus on the Lord first. We need to focus on the Lord first. Look at verse 24. Look how this prayer begins. Sovereign Lord who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Before they get to their requests, before they get to their fears, before they get to what they want God to do, they start with praise. They say, God, before we do anything, we want to recognize who we're talking to. We want to recognize what is happening right here. You see the same thing in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Very same thing. It doesn't start with forgive us our trespasses. It doesn't start with give us our daily bread. It starts with, God, you are holy. I want to recognize right now, when we get together in a prayer meeting, we're not just venting. We're not just commiserating. We're not just having some, trying to gin up some emotional thing to happen to make ourselves feel better. We're communicating with the God of the universe. Literally, Jesus Christ, his son has come. He said, listen, you can't save yourselves, but I can. We put our faith in him. Jesus rose again, but we're not just talking to him from afar. No, he put his Holy Spirit in us. And the same Holy Spirit that is in me is the same Holy Spirit in you. And so when we gather together to pray, we recognize God himself is listening. We're interacting with the creator of the universe, the sovereign Lord who made the earth and sea and everything that is in them. And when that's the beginning of our prayer, already that begins to color what I'm going to ask for. It begins to change our perspective. It begins to help us to see the unseen, the things that are eternal, not the things that are transitory. And I begin to recognize, okay, wait a minute, I want to get, I want to get my focus right here. It ought to start with the Lord and not with me. And so as we begin our times of corporate prayer, sometimes you want to start in silence just to kind of begin to turn your mind's attention, your heart's affection to him. We say, Lord, I need you. We start by making the focus all about him. But the first thing we do is just jumping into our fears. First thing is jumping into our requests. Man, we're, we're missing it. And let's start with the focus on the Lord first. Here's the next thing. Oh, actually, before I say that, total sidebar. I, I, this is just completely aside. Did you notice the Trinitarian things that are happening in this passage? Because they're all over the place. Did you see this? At the beginning of that prayer, they're going to pray and they say, Sovereign Lord. They're talking to the creator of the universe and they said, but you spoke by the Holy Spirit. Okay, but you spoke by the Holy Spirit about your anointed one, about Jesus. And then you're going to heal in Jesus. Do you see the Trinitarian nature of what's happening here? You got Father, you got Son, they got the Holy Spirit. That's what's happening when you and I pray. We are praying to the Father. Jesus himself is our mediator. He is the way that we get to the Father. The Holy Spirit is in us. He is helping us to pray the literally the fullness of the Trinity is working in us as he binds us together when we pray. That's a total aside. Whole nother sermon. I wanted you to notice that. Here's the thing. Next thing, pray scripture. Pray scripture. Look what happens in verses 25 and 26. It says, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. This is a quote from Psalm chapter 2 or Psalm 2. And hundreds of years beforehand, David was writing about the king, the anointed of the Lord. 
And that's what he thought he was praying about, was just about what God was doing in Israel and what God was doing through the king. But now the people here are recognizing, wait, God was doing even more through David than he knew. David was saying more than he knew. This wasn't just about the king of Israel. This was about the Messiah. This was about the anointed one. This was about Jesus and what he did. And so as they begin to pray, God reminds us of scripture. And when that scripture comes out, now it's beginning to help them understand. Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? They're watching this happen in their own day. You know what God just reminded them of? This has always been happening. There's nothing new here. For all of us worried about the end of times today, please recognize it's always been this way. It's always been this way. The Gentiles have plotted and the peoples have have plotted in vain. And every single time God has been sovereign. Every single time the Lord has come through. They've tried to stop us every every which way from Sunday. And every single time the Lord has said, and I have done what I predetermined to take place from the beginning. And so as the scripture comes up, do you see? Wait a minute. That's putting all those threats in perspective. These guys were threatening our lives. They were were going to threaten to shut us down. They're going to threaten to stop everything. Wait a minute. They can't. The Lord is sovereign. He's always been doing this. As Psalm 2 comes in, it now begins to guide their prayer and to push them not into fear, but into more boldness. And so when you and I pray, sometimes God will bring scripture to mind. Hey, say that out loud. Lord, you said in this psalm. Lord, you said in this scripture. Lord, you said in this. What scripture comes to mind as you begin to pray? Man, say that out loud. And the Lord begins to help us understand, help us see things in that moment that might encourage you or encourage somebody else. We certainly get out of ourselves when we're bringing scripture to bear. We say, Lord, you're the one who is helping us. You're the one who is doing this. And so anytime we're praying, scripture comes to mind. May bring that to the fore. Next thing, pray honest. Pray honest. When we get together and we pray together, let's pray honest. I mean, can I just kind of let everybody off the hook? You don't have to impress anybody when we pray together. You're off the hook. There's no need to try to impress anybody else. You didn't get saved by how good of a prayer, and you don't stay saved by how good of a prayer you are. You're good. You're in. Nobody's getting kicked out because of a bad prayer, except for that one guy. No, I'm, I'm not kidding. Look, no, nobody gets kicked out for a bad prayer, because sometimes, though, when we come in for a prayer, we, we're not praying. We're, we're doing something else. People sometimes aren't honest in a prayer group. You say, Adam, that would never happen in a church, right? Right. Here's the thing. Sometimes it does. Sometimes different people kind of show up for prayer gatherings. You ever seen a thespian before who shows up for a prayer gathering? Sometimes the thespian will show up. I mean, you were having coffee with him and he sounded normal and then he begins to pray, oh Lord, I bless thee in the heavenlies and would deign that you would speak to us and listen to our divine supplications. Like, dude, where'd your accent come from? What are you doing? You never talk like that. You didn't talk like that like a minute ago. What are you doing now? And like, but we think we got to like pretty it up, like gussy it up. Look, God knows. You don't have to say King's English. It wasn't around when the Lord wrote the Bible anyway. Uh, and so look, be honest in how we pray. Lift up who you are, not who you aren't. Furthermore, don't be a sniper. You ever had a sniper show up at your prayer gatherings? Sometimes the sniper shows up. You ever have somebody who's praying, but they're not praying to the Lord. They're praying to some other person in the room, hoping that they will hear from God something that they need to hear. Dear Lord, I just pray that people would know that this kind of thing is wrong and they need to repent of that. Wink, wink. I mean, hoping that this person over here and everybody knows what you're doing. You're just, you're not talking to the Lord. You're trying to talk to this person over here. It's not very honest. Look, you're not really going to do a very good job of convicting them of sin. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. But man, lift everybody up to the Lord. That's great. But 
don't be a sniper. Don't, don't try to do this other thing where I'm, I'm using prayer to say something else. Sometimes you get the magician. Has a magician ever showed up in your prayer gatherings? A magician shows up. Magicians are people who do this. They want to misdirect. They want to say, hey, look over here while the trick's going on over here. And you get a prayer guy and think, hey, man, what's going on in your life? Well, man, listen, I just really need you to pray for so-and-so, pray for so-and-so, pray for so-and-so, pray for so-and-so. Yeah, but what's going on in your life? I, I'm good. Pray for so-and-so and so-and-so. Hey, look over here. Don't look over here at me, at anything. I don't want to talk about anything in my life. I only want to talk about this stuff over here. Man, you're not bringing your true self to the prayer. Man, I get it. It's good that we pray for other people. But, but man, bring yourself. Pray honest. If you don't have a prayer, you don't have to pray. Man, don't, don't try to make it up. Man, but, but if God brings a prayer to you, man, don't worry about other people. Man, just bring that honestly before the Lord. You have no idea how God's going to use that prayer to encourage somebody else. So, man, just pray honest when we pray together. Here's the next one. Expect an answer. Expect an answer. These people prayed and God immediately answered. They prayed a prayer and then God did what they asked for. They said, God, would you give us boldness? I don't even know if they knew what they were asking for. They said, God, just give us boldness. And God does. He fills them with the Holy Spirit, sends them out. It's almost like a second version of Pentecost where they go out with the power of the Holy Spirit to preach the gospel and more people are going to get saved. Hey, God immediately answers. When we pray, do we expect God to do anything? And look, that's a whole other conversation. We'll talk about that as we go through the series. You say, Adam, but, but sometimes it doesn't happen like that. I know, look, prayer is mysterious, but it's not broken. I can't tell you how it works all the time. I can just tell you that God's still moving. You say, Adam, should I expect the room to shake after I pray with somebody? Probably not, because that never happens again in Scripture. It doesn't happen again in Acts. It doesn't happen again for Peter or John or Paul. We don't see that any other time in Scripture. God does other things in response, but he responds. Look, it may not always be in the timetable that we want. It may not be in the way that we originally envisioned, but God is moving. What would happen if when we prayed, we expected God to work? Because look, if we don't expect God to do anything, here's what happens to prayer times. It just becomes a formality at the end of a service. All right, somebody pray so we can get out of here, right? You just got to do it. You say, oh, let's pray to say I prayed. We showed up to the prayer meeting. Well, I got to show to prove I'm spiritual, right? I, I was there. Check my box. I'm all good. If I don't actually expect God to do anything, I'm just going through the motions. But what happens when you come expectantly? Man, I can't wait to gather with the people of God. We're going to sit and pray together. Who knows what God might do? Who knows how he might respond into these prayers? And so I'm going to expect an answer. I'm going to expect God to do something. Now, what would happen if we came with that kind of attitude to prayer? We might start putting it at the front instead of at the back just to see what God would do. Man, let's expect an answer. And then here's the last thing. Share your experience. Share your experience. Look, if God answers a prayer in your life, if he shows you something through somebody else's prayer, if he reminds you or encourages you, man, share that with somebody else. Hey, when you prayed that, you might have had no idea. But, man, that, that really encouraged me. That's what I needed to hear today. Or maybe God brings something up in you, somebody who's not even there, or just another request, and, and say, man, God, God brought this person to mind. I'm going to spend some time praying for them. Man, don't keep that to yourself. Let them know. It's easy to get your phone out, text a person. Hey, I just want you to know I was praying for you today. Clay talked about this last week. Hey, does God prompt you to, to say something or to pray for somebody? Man, let them know. I've had a few people do that for me this week. It is always encouraging. Do the people out of the blue are just going to say, hey, listen, I was praying this particular thing for you today. 
That's amazing. Incredible that the Lord is moving somebody else to pray for you. Don't just keep that to yourself. I mean, share that with other people. That's part of the answer. That's part of God knitting us together and reminding us that we are a family of faith together. It's when we share these things. Imagine I, can, I mean, honestly, can you imagine what it could be like if you were getting three, five, seven texts a week with different people praying specific things on your behalf? Can you imagine how encouraged you feel? Can you imagine if you're, you're saying, Adam, I may not be a leader, but man, I can, I, I can pray these things. God showed me this. And you just let people know what you're praying to recognize, hey, God is moving through you. You begin to see more answers. Can you imagine what that does to our community of faith? See how that brings renewal to us? And so one of the major avenues for us is corporate prayer. And so look, we're going to be trying different things to, uh, to do that over the course of the next couple of months as we continue to go through this series. And look, I hope that you're going to do this, whether it be in your community groups, whether it be in your Bible studies or men's groups or women's groups, or maybe just praying with your spouse or praying with your family, however you choose to do it. Maybe you've got a couple of coworkers from the church you want to gather together, but man, let's make this a priority. And say, we want to truly come before the Lord. But here's one thing we're going to do. And you saw this when you came in. Uh, there's a prayer calendar that was sitting in your seat. Grab that if you will. I want you to look at it for a second. Because this is something we're all going to do together for the next month. You can see there at the top left, it says, pray as one. And here's what I'm going to ask all of us to do over the course of this month. I want us to all be praying together for the rest of the month. And here's how that's going to work. At 1 p.m. every day, I want to call the whole church to pray. 1 p.m. every day, we're all going to pray. Now, you don't have to come here. We don't have to gather all in one place. But wherever you find yourself, we're all going to stop and pray. And maybe you can pray for just a couple seconds because you're in a meeting. Maybe it's a couple minutes. Maybe it's you got more time than that. Maybe you want to gather a couple people to say, hey, we're together. Let's pray for one another. But we're all as a church going to pray 1 p.m. every day. I would encourage you to set an alarm. I've already set one for me. Set it for 1259. All right, and say, hey, just to let you know, hey, time to pray. And just, we're going to pray all together. And over the course of the, the month, we'll start it today. We'll go through the rest of October. We've given you something to pray for every single day. There's a scriptural encouragement there as well. But you've got an opportunity to say, hey, every day, we are all going to lift up one request together. And then see what God does. So in addition to your small gatherings, we're all going to pray together. And then look, in November, we're going to have some larger gatherings where we can all get together and pray together. But starting today at 1 p.m., we have an opportunity to pray as one and see what God will do to bring renewal as we draw near to God and he draws near to us. So do this one. Bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. We're going to spend some time in worship. And worship is an interesting thing. Because in worship we're singing, and a lot of times we've got our eyes open and we're, we're gathered together, but there's a lot of prayer bound up in worship as well. Sometimes we just kind of flow in and out of that, of just singing, and then sometimes it just it flows into prayer or in and back out of it. And we've got an opportunity to, to sing together, to worship together. And maybe the Lord's going to help you, and we're just going to pray together, like we did earlier this morning. And what is the Lord impressing upon you? Remember, don't spectate, participate. And what if we just start that this morning as the people of God, not some other church, not some other group of people, these people, us right here in this room, the ones watching right now from home. You can pray from wherever you're at. You're still connected to us through the Holy Spirit. We haven't forgotten about you. 
Pray right where you're at, right now. It doesn't matter if you're not watching in real time. Pray right now. We together are going to lift up our voices as one and ask the Lord to renew us, to help us, to heal us, to give us boldness to speak his gospel, that we might be filled anew with the Holy Spirit to walk after him. And so, Lord, help us. Lord, we honestly sometimes don't even know what we need to pray for, but you do. You pray for us. We're groaning in some word that words can't express. But Lord, you also prompt us and you help us. And so even now in this moment, would you do that? As we sing the lyrics of this song, Father, may they not be just lyrics, but may they be the, the cries of our heart to you. Would you help us to hear our brothers and sisters and recognize it's not just singing words on a screen, but that we are meaning this together as we worship. And Lord, as we gather together all across the city in small groups, Lord, would you be the one to bring that fullness of your spirit that we might walk in you and continually be renewed, restored, and transformed. So we love you, Lord. Hear us now as we sing. Would you stand up with me? Let's stand and sing together. And listen, uh, there's kneeling benches here at the front. If you want to come pray at the altar, you can. If you'd like me to pray with you, I'll be right here as well. But let's worship the Lord together this morning.